What's going on, guys? Welcome to a special Renegade Pop Culture Podcast. This is celebrating the 2013 NBC series Hannibal, which is what I consider now probably one of the best shows of the 2010s. My name is Mike. Joining me on this are our, return, our returning guest, uh, Tyler. Hey, yo. <laughs> and another returning guest, Billy. What's up, guys? So a little a little backstory behind this podcast. Hannibal is one of those shows that a lot of my friends, Billy included, have goaded me to watch for, I'd say, at, at least like four years since, uh, since the show went off the air and was available on all the various streaming services. So when it when it came to Netflix earlier this year, I I made I made the decision. Okay, it's it's finally happening. I'm finally going to I'm finally going to watch this series that everyone has been talking about. So, what I want to ask you guys is how how did you guys um, get introduced to Hannibal? Uh, I got introduced to it because it was free on Amazon Prime a couple of years back and. Yeah, you know, I just felt curious. I've seen previews for it all the time because I used to watch you know, NBC with the Parks and Recreation, and I would always remember dramatic narrator voice going like, yeah, and on a 10 is Hannibal. And I heard good reviews, but I also was skeptical because the concept just seemed awful, like a prequel to the Thomas Harris novels written by some guy I didn't really know too well, but it really worked out very well, and I got hooked. Nice. Billy? Well, um, much like you, Mike, I was at a period in my life watching everything, and then I heard about Hannibal, and I was like, okay, this kind of sounds stupid, but I'll give it a shot, and I actually watched it when it premiered, and mm. then I was blown away. Like, I was just, I had never thought that NBC of all places would create, like, this show that just looks like I mean, it looks like art. The show, like how it's shot and everything, I, I was just blown away. And then, of course, you know, the writing, everything ended up just being great. I didn't know who Brian Fuller was at the time, but I quickly learned his work after watching the series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, lo looking looking into Brian Fuller's um, previous credits, it at first glance, the show doesn't, it it seems like it's going against type because he's no he's known mostly for dark comedies, but then as you as you watch the show, you see a lot more of of his um of his sensibilities. Like for like for example, the star is Mads Mikkelsen, who just picked up um, the role of Grindelwald. After uh, Johnny Depp left the Fantastic Beasts franchise, Mickelson and Hugh, and Hugh Dancy as Will Graham, they they get a lot of uh, a lot a lot of like very darkly comedic moments. Now for for this episode, we're we're mostly just going to be talking about season one, which I'll I'll admit is one of the weaker seasons, but still but still compared compared to other shows in its, in its genre is still is still like leagues ahead 
Oh yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, the best comparison point is uh, the very first season of Justified, also because it's an episodic series at first that then eventually goes into a more storyline-centric series. But even as it stands, it's top tier, you know, case of the week. Yeah, I mean, really, um, it looks like like a true crime thing, like a like a David Fincher movie or um something like that and i liked that it was told from you know a fellow will will graham's perspective really so you never really could tell what was real or not because they made it very clear that you know he's not um quote unquote normal so i mean like they they have it through the show because he he emphasized empathizes with uh, serial killers and he can get inside their heads and the irony is that his friend and therapist is a serial killer but nobody knows it and that's you know dr hannibal lecter yeah i i I love i love how right in the first episode you basically get the gist of of what uh what will's like specialty is you know not not only can he get like not only do they illustrate quite clearly that he gets inside the like the heads of serial killers, but you actually get to see like you you get to see the crime scene play out as he's like in, investigating and i I really love that like like that visual design, so to speak oh oh yeah, the visual design is one of those notable aspects of the series where you just kind of sit there and go through his extreme empathy and somehow be able to reconstruct the crime scene, but it takes a mental toll on him which is actually somewhat inspired by the real life subject it's based on which is the fbi special agent john e douglas who was also the basis for mindhunter yeah and i also just like you know they they introduced characters from the red dragon book you know will graham hannibal lecter jack crawford played brilliantly by Lawrence fishburne and i always found this interesting i learned that hannibal was either going to be played by Mads Mikkelsen or David Tennant. Ooh. Yeah, and mm. I thought they made a really good choice with uh, Mads Mikkelsen because he he looks like he could hide something a lot better than... I know David Tennant could have done it great because David Tennant's amazing, but I think that Mads Mikkelsen was the best choice because I can't really see anybody else playing Hannibal in this series. One thing I like about um, Nicholson's casting is that they chose an actor who is like who is um, foreign to like they, they 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 chose a foreigner to play this like social this socialite. Yet I'm hard pressed to call Hannibal a psychopath, but beca- because they, they they even go to great lengths to say he's not a psychopath because he's he's in control. Yeah, he's he's more psychotic than anything yeah still the cat the cast for this series is incredible we've we've talked we've talked about our two main players but i want to continue talking about the supporting cast for example jack crawford played by the great Lawrence fishburne and two two characters that that i learned doing research were actually uh like gender flips one we have the the tabloid blogger um freddie lowndes yes mm-hmm. freddie is great 
And the other is Dr. Alana Bloom, played by Caroline uh, de Havernas. I, I don't say, know how to. I always say Havernas. Havernas, okay. I always, I I always go think with like, too. I always say it's like Django Unchained, the D is silent. But yeah, these those, those two characters en- ended up becoming some some of my favorites. What about you guys? Oh, uh, for me, my favorite of side characters was without question Jack Crawford. He embodied all the mannerisms that you would want from all the other depictions, but also made him a little bit more relatable than the depiction that you would see in something like Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, Jack Crawford is really good. First, I was just surprised that Lawrence Fishburne, I didn't know he did really television because, you know, he's mostly he known for doing, he's done television, but it's not really his main thing, you know, because he mostly does movies. But I'm glad that they chose him. And then also a character that we haven't mentioned yet, and is one of my favorites, is um, Beverly Katz, who is uh, Hetian Park. And she, she's great. You know, she's a crime scene investigator as well. Just um, very likable. And I think brings a sense of, like a sense of playfulness, really. You know, because um, this, the tone for this series is very serious because you know, they're dealing with serial killers and i think that's the perfect tone but you gotta have some you gotta have some moments of uh light-hearted fun and oh yeah and that's where i think uh brian fuller's dark comedy comes in because it's a lot of dark comedy more than people expect and yeah also all of the food scenes are exquisite Oh yeah, we'll 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 get to the food in a minute. But I also want to throw some praise at the uh, like the sassy scientists, as some people have called them. That's uh, Dr. Katz, um, Zeller, and Zeller and Price, who are played by um, Aaron Abrams and Scott Thompson. Oh yeah, they, they throw a lot of shade more than you would probably expect from a people like that. There, there's, a, there's also one character we haven't mentioned who was apparently an original creation to the series, Dr. Bedelia du Maurier, um, played by Gillian Anderson. Mm. Oh, yeah. how can we forget? Oh, yeah. Brian Fuller, he, he clearly just loves Gillian Anderson. She shows up in a lot of her projects, and this is probably the most fun she ever had in any of them. Yeah, like a fine wine, she just, uh, the more she ages, the better she gets. Yeah, she's oh, in her late yeah. 50s now, and I couldn't tell. F- 52, apparently. Oh, really? See, I, I can't even tell. I have no idea what her age is. I mean, I mean, it's it's Agent Scully, so there's also just like, um, uh, I, I always like that she does these roles that are kind of not that, not like, an, not, she's not really FBI. She is Hannibal's psychiatrist, and I, I, I like that there's somebody that can match wits with him. Because they make it very clear early on that Hannibal is very smart, and like not just book smart, but he's also, you know, he can get into people's heads without them even knowing it, which that's a detail that I really liked, and that's something that Hannibal Lecter does. Because, like throughout this series, you see him use that to his advantage, and especially with Will, because he, um, he takes advantage of Will's vulnerability, and you know. It's it's really good dialogue as well that he is given, and it's yeah it's it's like a delectable piece of uh, flesh. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing I do love about the show is that it 
makes characters intelligent but doesn't go the easy route because screenwriting 101 for showing how someone smart is have them play chess and win or write a formula on the board that's like the shorthand but this one no 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 they go deeper into psychological analysis and how he kind of figures out people and manipulates them. it's clever and if, and apparently like a lot of those um those scenes in therapy were were written from like from real experience with brian fuller in therapy specifically the episodes with um with dan fogler's character i um i think his name was like franklin um something something like that really that's that makes sense you remember from your own experiences the most of all oh yeah for sure dan Dan fogler is also great just if you haven't seen fanboys you're doing yourself a disservice oh yeah he was in that movie yeah with Kristen bell yeah, I haven't seen Fanboys in in a long time, but but yeah, Fog, Fogler Fogler's really good. Um, now the re- the reason I I consider this personally the the weakest season is because you know e- even though the like the main um, like the main overarching story is Han- Hannibal and Will's relationship and Hannibal's manipulation of of Will throughout the season. This feels the most like, um, like a, a more elevated version of something like Bones or any other like, like, and any like standard procedural, but just with better writing and amazing visuals. Yeah, I, I think that the visuals really do tell the story. Once you, once you know the context behind it, which it, it's gradually um, revealed because. Like Tyler said at first, this is very episodic. You know, it's, it's a killer of the week sort of thing. And a lot of people that I didn't expect to be in this series are just like really good, like Molly Shannon and Eddie Izzard. It, Izzard, Izzard was the biggest surprise, but he he ended up being one of my one of my favorite characters in more more in more so season two than. Than this one, although his his introduction is is still great. Oh yeah, and I, I need to mention about the visuals. Um, is there any other TV show that did like dream sequences better? Because I really don't think any other show mastered it as well. It's almost like they started cribbing from like the uh, Max Payne game series, but then just kept improving the quality. It's I, <laughs> I've, I've seen video games rip off the dream sequences from Hannibal. It's that good. Yeah, unlike unlike other series, the dream sequences here, like they actually feel like nightmares. Oh, especially with that Wendigo. Oh god, yeah, the Wendigo and like the the deer. Yeah. Yeah, I also like that all the episode titles are uh, are food related. Yeah, they kept that through the entire series. It was just food, real puns, and it's perfect. Yeah, like like the first season, I think it's just um, it's cuisine. Yeah, each each episode in season one is is named after um, is is named after some sort of cuisine. Like ep- episode one is named um, aperitif. A- I'm pretty sure that they're all they're all French French words as well. Yep, as you know then French cooking is considered, you know, the best of the best. And 
certainly with the food scenes, the cooking is very excellent. I mean, it just looks appetizing. Yeah, but if I recall correctly, the naming convention was the first season, it's all French names, and then the second one, it's Japanese, and then the third one, it's Italian, except for the last few episodes, which starts having more normal-sounding titles. Yeah, the the second half of season three, the, tit- the titles are, um, like, apparently those were based, those are, like, based on the four uh, great red dragon pictures. Yeah, for sure. And really, the second half of season three, it's an entirely different season. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into that when we get into season three, but right now we're season one, and... I also really like the opening, just like the complete white background, and it's all red, and it, the colors are are used very well. Now, do do you do you think that that red is blood or wine or both? It's like ambiguous. Think, I like to think it's both. Yeah, I I'd say the same. Yeah, of course. Like the first scene we even get of Hannibal is with red wine at a dinner table. Why not? Actually, both introduction scenes kind of summarize the characters very well. One with like you know, he's talking about food at a dinner table, and then with Will Graham, it's at a crime scene. It's these characters at their basic level. I I, I want to make sure I had I had the name of the um, like the culinary advisor. It's uh, Ho- Jose An- Andres, the secret hero. Yeah, he's a he's a Spanish American chef um, and founder of the uh, World Central Kitchen. So if you're if you're wondering how how like every meal looks as good as it does, like his his influence is very much felt. Hmm. Yeah, I I also just um another character that I mean he's only in one episode I think, but uh Tobias, you know, uh Dan Fogler's friend. He's also great. Oh, the uh the ch- the cellist or the cello player? Yes. He is equally as smart and as cultured as Hannibal as well. The like the the death in in that episode is one of the more gru- gruesome that I've seen at least in this season. Oh God, yeah, yeah. We we, we haven't surprisingly talked about the violence yet, which is please remember this was an NBC show because you will need to remind yourself that time and time and time and time again. Yeah, I was really surprised with how much they got away when you think about that this was on network television. It's it's pretty close to, you know, there's like no, there's not really any nudity, but there's a lot of like um, body um, violence, you know, like yeah. with um, guts and blood and all that stuff. It's It's actually pretty graphic when you and and they get away with a lot of eating people they they don't shy away from that too much it's like nope that person just got eaten yeah and i was just 
I was really surprised about that. And that's another reason why I kept watching. I was just like, oh man. And they, and they, um, I, I like all the different kinds of killers that they go after as well. Yeah. That's, that's something that I like. I love, I love the variety. It's, it's not, it's not just, um, it like, it's, it's not just the standard crime scene of like, oh, he was murdered on a Tuesday, um, at this time. Um, like they, like they really go into, they, 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 they treat murder like an art. Each, each, each victim has been like either decapitated or mute or like mutilated, but in a very creative fashion. Yeah. Like I think one of the best, like best examples we see in episode two, where the victim, the victims become like mushroom farms. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds horrifying, but again, it's that sort of supreme macabre humor that kind of makes it work. Oh yeah, and you are right. It is all French food, because uh, you know I see these episode titles. You know, sorbet, entree, uh, potage. I, I'm pretty sure I'm effing up the pronunciation. And uh, oh yeah, the story with Abigail Hobbs is really the big, um, the main arc this season. You know, the main through line. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was done really well because the girl that plays Abigail is also pretty good. Yeah. Really, there's nobody I actually would say that's actually out of place where I'm like, well, why is this person here? Everyone fits their role like a glove. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, there, there is one character we, we haven't talked about yet who at first I, I didn't really like. Um, it's Dr. Frederick Chilton, played by... Raul Esparza. He he see, he seemed like one of those, like one of those need, needlessly cruel characters who's just who's just there to basically act as nothing but a foil to um, to Hannibal and and Will. Um, but as as the series progresses, I I really start to enjoy his like his back and forths with the other characters. Yeah, I'm gonna say I agree with that. Yeah. That's something that the series really shines in is just the uh, every relationship feels very personal, and they they all feel like friends. You know, they're all colleagues, but a lot of them do feel like friends. Like everybody seems to genuinely care about Will's well being and how how that deteriorates throughout this season, and especially the next season. Mm. it's just it's really heartbreaking because you can tell that will is just a really good guy he just has this condition that he has to live with and he thinks he's getting help through hannibal but hannibal's actually making it worse yeah he is fundamentally a good guy who keeps pushing himself to the limit to help others which is causing horrific damages to himself which yeah that it, it's a remarkable quality he's, he's a likable character you really hope he gets better, but then you you look at a therapist and you already know it's he's not gonna get any better. <laughs> so something I, something I like about this show is the like pr- pretty much across the board gray morality. Like will will he's he's like the designated protagonist, but you know he ki- he kills um, Abigail's father in in like the first in the first episode and. 
like he he has he has to live with that for for the rest of the ser- series and as you guys said um guys like jack and and hannibal are 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 pushing him for for what they consider the great the greater good saving lives but greater good <laughs> the greater good but we we like we we know that that's obviously that's that's obviously doing like a neg- like it's doing harm to his his physical and mental health oh and they show that like on multiple occasions which i I, I do appreciate that they, you know, they, they really just highlight a lot of like mental illness as well. Yeah, but it's not a very stigmatized manner either. It's a more understanding, like, well, he has problems, but people want to help him. It's not he's, he's not terrible because of this condition. It's it's other outlying factors, and unlike other shows, we'll just have a character go like, "Well, I'm depressed. I don't feel too good." No, this show is all about visualizing everything. Yeah, I I think this is probably the best example of show don't tell especially with it with a subject matter as as nuanced as dealing with mental health and how how that affects how that affects everything around you from from your professional to personal relationships the the show is a lot smarter even even in what i consider the weakest season oh yeah yeah and i also like that it's not a super long season. It's not like a CW show, which has like 24, 25 episodes. No, no, no. These are like 13 episodes. Most of them are one-offs, but there is a main story. And, you know, it, it actually does carry well into the next season. Yeah. Could you like, imagine this has been like plotted like Lost where it's like 25 episodes a season? That, that This would fail so fast. Yeah, this, there, there's no way this would have lasted as long as it did if it if they dragged out um, if if they dragged out the Abigail Hobbs subplot for any any longer than they did here. Yeah, pe- people would people would have tuned out like halfway through. Yeah, and uh, uh, I don't think we ever see Hannibal. Um quite like you know he he plays himself off as like the good guy and he's generally kind to everybody and then really i think it's this season and the next season where we don't like we don't we don't see him as like the Hannibal Lecter that we know we just see him more as like gaslighting and emotionally manipulating will uh very early on and i think this season really just um it's good at establishing our main characters and stuff i will actually defend lost's first season there's a million people in lost so it kind of had to be that long oh yeah this one's like this the cast is not 30 main characters so no that that's the difference it's that um they have like a like four or five main characters and they establish them pretty well and then there's just you know the killing of the week cut Mm -hmm. with Hannibal making dinner and um, seeing a piece of Will's psyche just um, get shattered a little bit. He, he sort of dies every week. Pretty much. Very, very much so. You, you really feel bad for that poor guy. He gets really sweaty towards the end as well. It's oh, like, very much. It's yeah. like, my God, Will, just like get some sleep or something. 
I wonder how they did that to Hugh Dangsty. Like, okay, you're going to put on, like, I don't know, five layers of clothing in, like, 70-degree weather, and then we're going to take it off real quick. Like, how did he look that sweaty? He looks like he just ran a marathon in some of those scenes. But I think that works to the sh- uh, his character's advantage because he is supposed to be, like, losing it, like, losing sleep. He can't tell what's real or not. And Hugh Dancy just does a really good job. I think one of my one of my favorite um, visual visual cues of of Will losing his grasp on reality is when he, when he's asked to draw a clock. Um, you you fir- you first see him draw like a regular clock, but then but then when they reveal um, what they what he allegedly drew, it's like it's like the clock the clock with like all the numbers on on like one side because like his his like depth perception is is off oh however however they explained it yeah yeah that reminded me of an episode of firefly where like river has uh she thinks she has a like a stick and you know it's just treating it very casually but then it cuts to everybody else and they're like river what are you doing and it actually turns out that she has a gun oh god i remember that episode yeah it was one of the unaired episodes and yeah, it's very much like that where you can, you know, this person's not well, but you're along for the ride because it's told from primarily their perspective, like from their perspective, everything is fine, but from the outside and what reality is, it's not. So, so I liked that um, ambiguous, um, like what is real, what is not. And, and I think it's funny that Lawrence Fishburne is in it because, you know, he's in The Matrix, <laughs> which is all about that. And they never made one joke about anything like that. They never made it as like, do you question reality, Will? You know, they never do that. Um, but speaking of Firefly, um, one, of, one of Jack Crawford's subplots in this season involves, at the time, his, his real-life wife, um, played by uh, Gina Torres. Um, his, like, his wife is... Um, diagnosed with cancer so uh they they have a little bit of a subplot this season where jack is sort of where jack and bella are kind of confronted with with i guess their new their new reality now that that she's been diagnosed and how and how she wants she wants to keep her husband at arm's length i i found i found that really uh like really like tragic um and B- Billy, you know, you know um, how how much cancer, um, how how much cancer really, uh, re- like, really affects people in our in our community. I do too. Yeah, it, I think it's affected everybody in some way, whether they know it or not. They like somebody might either they've gone through it themselves, or they know somebody that's gone through it, or you know, it's it's a terrible, terrible thing that I wish. Yeah that we all didn't have to experience but um i could be wrong but in my experience that has not been the case unfortunately and uh i really wish it wasn't yeah and that, that scene really came across as like someone who understands what they're writing about so i only have to assume that uh, brian fuller must have known somebody who went through this because that felt way too just empathetic to not have some understanding of the concept yeah i i, I have to imagine that that was drawn from from a real experience because it it felt it felt too too real as I was watching it. Mm-hmm. 
I think that empathy is really a theme for this season in particular. Yeah. Because like we empathize with Will, we sort of empathize with, or we empathize with Jack. We empathize with Hannibal a little. We um, definitely empathize with Abigail. Oh, yes. for sure. And then we, and like you get the killer's perspective as well. Yeah, we understand is not, them. Is it's not a usual thing that most shows do. Yeah, this is a character show that does not care for like stereotypes, which like, oh yeah, he just kills people because. But no, they always get into the psychological detail, and you're, it's like. And this is the case with real-life serial killers, too, where if you read their whole backstory, you'll go, oh, I kind of feel sorry for you. But then they go ahead and do terrible things, and the empathy fades, but it's a little bit there. And and even the, the way he can, you know visualizes crime, it's extreme. Empathy is what he calls it, so empathy is a big theme of this season. Now, it's, it's kind of what, like one, watching... thing, one thing the show makes perfectly clear is that there's a, there's a difference between empathy and sympathy. We're not, we're not sympathizing with these killers because the killers they they have done morally um like more heinous yeah morally heinous crimes but but we understand how they how they get from point a to point b Mm -hmm. A, a, a lesser a lesser writer would have would have turned like every every serial killer into um i i don't know um some some like tragic killer like tragic uh villain like it, it's it's not like it's not like this is a series full of uh zukos but no <laughs> yeah but yeah at least at least, at least like some of at, at least at least we get we get to see we get to see their thought process so we get so we can understand uh, how how no, to apprehend them i think is he oh no uh what I wanted to mention is that that also is a good jumping point because the series it's based on is a character. The character is sympathetic because the character had a terrible backstory, but then, you know, he's murdering women, so you can't really feel sorry for him. I think it's the other way around. Or, sorry, yeah, maybe, yeah I think I'm mixing him up. But the, the, the source material is ripe, full of characters that fit this series, so all this talk of empathy with the material, it was a perfect combination. Yeah. And I like that um, the Fuller curse didn't happen during this first season. Yes. That's something we need to mention because almost every project that Brian Fuller touches, either he gets fired, he leaves, or it gets canceled. That didn't happen with this series, thank God. Well, well not at first, first. Well, not at first, yeah. But... Is, is this the only series in which he stayed on for all three seasons? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Because Pushing Daisies was canceled mm-hmm. because of the writer's strike. And Which is then, so infuriating. Then he left during development of Discovery. If he had stayed, that would have been an infinitely better show. Yes. And um, instead we got freaking Kurtzman. And, um, American Gods. American Gods, he left after the first season. And then, you know, that that's turned into a train wreck. Uh, that, yeah, that show, not to go on a tangent, is that that curse state of that show because that show is going through the biggest slow motion train wreck I think I've ever seen in my life. Where every see it's premiering soon ish, I guess. And at this point, I'm just sitting here wondering who's gonna leave, who's gonna quit, who's gonna get fired, what bad thing's gonna happen now. I honestly forgot that show is still in the air. I know it's a genuine like it casts a on? bad shadow, Moon. <laughs> <laughs> it also had Gillian Anderson. And she left that first season. 
Yeah, and it was a stars show. So yeah, and you, would, yeah. you would think this show, this show would be on stars, but nope, NBC. Right after Parks and Rec. Or, or the voice. <laughs> totally fits. Yeah, the, I I I still don't understand how and why um they chose NBC to broadcast this, but the fact the fact that it lasts that long as long as it did uh just amazes me. Yeah. I'm not sure NBC even knew how to market it because if you want to look back at how the old the trailers and commercials were like, they they had no idea how to market this to an audience. I mean, to be fair, it is kind of difficult to market this on a like a main network. Yeah, it was like Netflix. It'd be like, murder, murder, fun. But then with this show, it's like, here's some food. Here's the close-up of Matt Mickelson. Here's uh, talk about some murder. It's it, They don't know how to market this. Angry cannibal noises. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's say someone someone listening to this podcast has never seen the show before. Um, spoilers, what, what, by the way. Sorry. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> oh yeah. If if you haven't seen if you haven't seen this, then yeah, be warned. There will be lots of spoilers. Should probably um, have said that before, but you know, what what are you gonna do? At at this point, it's it's too late. But what what are some of your favorite episodes from this season? I I know I know we gave a lot of praise to the pilot, which it's one of my like it's one of my favorite pilots that that really does a good job like completely setting the scene yeah that one that was a great pilot uh for me i i really did like the uh i think it was, what was the episode i think it was called like the sixth episode i think it was called entree or something like that that was a really fun episode with um eddie izzard that was the premiere episode oh yeah that's that's the one where we where we meet well who they all think is the chesapeake ripper Mm-hmm. but we learned soon after that is not the case yeah and that's when we also got introduced to dr chilton yeah that, that episode has set up a lot of people very well that episode always stuck out to me it's just a really good episode i kind of like the one with lance henriksen oh, that was a good one too um it's, it's i think it's called uh true normand uh yep that's the one yep i just like it because Lance Henriksen is great and everything. It's a one-off episode, but you know, I I really liked it, and you know, it, it does have uh, a pretty good Will story as well. Like yeah, like it advances the Abigail Hobbs story a little bit. Yeah. What about you, Mike? Um, honestly, aside aside from the pilot and um and entree, I think one one of the more fascinating episodes is episode four um this is this is the one that features molly shannon as they don't give her a name in the series but a lot of fans refer to her as wendy because she like she picks up a bunch of um picks up a bunch of children who i guess are referred to as the lost boys (laughs) fun fact about this episode this was originally banned from its original broadcast only only to be restored later once the series was available on on iTunes and other digital platforms. Oh, really? Was it the only episode they ever did that? I think so. 
I mean, I can understand, but I'm like, if that's the only episode you'd do it, uh, it's a couple episodes down the road, I can definitely imagine why they would want to do that. Oh, wait. Um, the episode was originally set to be broadcast on April 25th, 2013. However, five days earlier, the episode was pulled from the United States broadcast schedule at the request of creator Brian Fuller. Uh, really? Yeah. I he think said, this was said, also because of uh, the Sandy Hook massacre. Yeah, that's that has to be why. Oh, God, yeah, that's probably it, because that was really recent at the time. Yeah, some people thought that it was because of the Boston Marathon bombing, but that was not the case. Fuller, it was also, it's very graphic as well, this episode oh, in particular. Yeah. It's one of the more graphic episodes, actually. Yeah, Fuller's comments specifically, he says, with this episode, it wasn't about the graphic imagery or violence. It was the associations that came with the subject matter that I felt would inhibit the enjoyment of the overall episode. It was my own sensitivity. We want to be respectful of the social climate we're in right now. And that's that's the part that interests me the most. It wasn't it wasn't the network that took it down. It was it was Fuller himself who said, Nah, I'm not comfortable with, I'm not comfortable showing this right now. I think that was how, a very how, smart how often do you see that? Not very. It's usually the studio kind of makes the decision for you. I think that was really smart on his part because this episode was you know, it's it's very good, but the subject matter is very, you know, uh, sensitive, let's just say. Mm-hmm. And I think with the bad timing, it just, I agree, it wasn't an appropriate time to air. So I, I respect Fuller for doing that to his own creation. You know, he, he has valid reasons for doing it. Yeah. Yeah, mad, mad respect to, to Fuller for... Um for taking that into into his own hands. Yeah, I, I, everyone always says he's a very difficult guy to work with, and that's probably true, but I don't think he's a bad guy personally. Yeah. Well, he, he might be difficult to work with, but man, is he a great artist. You know, oh, yeah. Stanley, Stanley Kubrick was the same way. He was very difficult. He's definitely comparable, especially with the amount of projects that he's lost over the years. Yeah, and I just want to make a stupid joke. Um, you know, what, what's Hannibal's favorite dessert? Ooh, what? Uh, Danish. <laughs> uh, we're, we're we're all about the dad puns here yeah the, just just look up mads mickelson you'll understand the context like his nationality and everything and any other any other um episodes or mo- or moments from season one that you want to mention you know a lot of my favorites are in the next season but i do really like the finale oh yeah that's a good finale yeah the the like the finale is it is an example of something else I love about this series? Um, the setups and the and the payoffs are are done exceptionally well. Yeah, I mean it ends pretty badly for Will, but really good for Hannibal. I think I think every season has it. Every season except for um, the end, like they all end terribly for Will. Yeah, that's an understatement. But I think I think specifically what I love about the season one finale is where where the action takes place. It's it's basically in the exact same spot that Will killed um, Garrett Hobbs in um, in the first episode. Yeah, so that, that's that great um, you know goes around comes around sort of thing, and it's you know. Using familiar locations, and I, I like that. It's like poetry; they rhyme. You gotta make Hannibal work because he's a funnier character. 
not even remotely. But <laughs> I mean, like he he's got some. He he's pretty cheeky this year. Oh yeah, he, he, he has very, some really. He's got a very quick wit. Like yes, like he will outsmart you, like ninety percent of the people in the room. Oh yeah, you'd be you'd be great open mic night because if anyone tried to heckle him, you wouldn't win. Oh yeah, open mic night. I thought we were doing that right now. <laughs> any, any other final thoughts before we wrap up season one uh i'll say this which is there's a lot of collaborators that you see with uh <clears throat> ryan fuller that shows up in this season and and in later seasons but one we never got was Kristen chenoweth and i'm sad because i would have loved to see some shortcake pie you know puns <laughs> um i just think it was a finely cooked steak with some nice red wine and some delicious dessert really i i think it's excellent television and uh happy cannibal noises there we go my compliments to the chef for it, a delect a delectable uh three season meal of, yeah, of, some... of which we had the first course <laughs> if i was to sum up this season as a meal it's escargot i don't expect much but then i try it and it's absolutely delicious but it makes me want to have more yeah and the the ending the ending to uh season one definitely leaves you wanting more oh yeah. and that's exactly what we will be doing um stay tuned for our next uh, installment where we talk about the greatest season of probably one of one of the most perfect seasons of television at, yeah. at least at least in the 2010s it's comparable to season six of uh, breaking bad so before we head out um where can everyone find you online uh, Billy, I'll start with you. Okay, you can find me on Twitter at BeeBusterBill. All the Bs are capitalized. You can find me on Instagram at Billy Batson's Lightning. Nothing is capitalized. And I also do my own podcast, See You Next Summer, um, with my co-host Raul Rodriguez. Mm. It's been a lot of fun. We just talk movies and whatever the heck we want. And this month in November, we are talking about... Um, Mexican movies or like you know films in Spanish because my you know Raul is Mexican and all that stuff he wanted me to do it but uh you can also follow that Twitter at SYNS pod all right Tyler uh, uh you can find me at uh, bio WD on Twitter I'm usually talking with either Broadway people or historians in that order I'm sure uh, you can find me in the Facebook group for Renegade Pop Culture. And you can also find me on my YouTube channel, Debunk File, where I'm hard at work at the moment creating a video that's about, uh, about a project I've been working on for the last six months that should be coming out the 27th of November. Nice. And you yeah. guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CaptainK42. Check out all my quick thought reviews on letterbox.com slash CoachK42. Find me in all the various Facebook groups just at my name. Check out Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and Twitter at Ren Pop Culture. Check out all our podcasts on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. And last but not least, check out renegadepopculture.com. In escape, so do we. That'll be it for this episode of the Hannibal Retrospective. We will catch you guys later. Peace.